0: Leading Ideas Talks podcast is brought to you by the Lewis Center for Church Leadership of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. Subscribe free to our weekly e-newsletter, Leading Ideas, at churchleadership.com slash leading ideas. Leading Ideas Talks is also brought to you by Leading the Church in a Post-Pandemic Culture, a new Doctor of Ministry and Church Leadership focus from Wesley Theological Seminary and the Lewis Center for Church Leadership. With this track, clergy will receive the enhanced knowledge, skills, and motivation to increase congregational and denominational service, vitality, and growth in the post-pandemic world. Learn more and apply by February 15th for May 2023 at churchleadership.com slash How can congregations support people with dementia and their caregivers? In this episode, Elizabeth Schulman offers an organic three-part program to help congregations create ministries to meet the needs of people with dementia and their caregivers.
1: Welcome to Leading Ideas Talks, a podcast featuring thought leaders and innovative practitioners. I am Jessica Anschutz, one of the editors of the Leading Ideas e-newsletter, and I'm your host for this Leading Ideas talk. Joining me is Elizabeth Schulman, a pastor, university researcher, healthcare chaplain, and author of Finding Sanctuary in the Midst of Alzheimer's, which can be used as a program to develop dementia caregiver ministry, or as a guide for individuals or support groups seeking hope in their caregiving journey. Welcome Elizabeth, I enjoyed reading your book and I look forward to our conversation today. Thank you, I'm so glad to be with you. I wanna invite you to start off by sharing um, what inspired you to develop a guide for congregations and individuals to develop dementia
2: caregiver ministries. Okay, I was serving as a pastoral care director for 600 bed nursing, nursing home facility in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I did a lot of work in the memory care unit and you know, it was Tennessee, it's the Bible Belt. Everyone went to church and as I met with primarily spouses, but but also, you know, kids coming in to see their parents. They talked about you know, how their church was the backbone of their growing up and now that they were encountering <coughs> the caring for a loved one with dementia, They were turning to their church for help and the churches just didn't know how to help. And now this was, gosh, this was 14 years ago. And I myself was uh, providing care um, in a different capacity to, um, to my husband. And I realized that our sense of spirituality really impacts and can, you know, just Um, give an overview of all of our experiences. And so I decided to go back to school and get my doctorate in counseling. And my focus was on the experience of marriage for spouses, because that was kind of my experience. Um, And so for spouses of Alzheimer's patients. So I did that. I went back to school and then I interviewed spousal caregivers. And then I also interviewed pastors. And what I found was that Churches are wanting to help, they just don't know how. So that's when I went back and I wrote the book um, so that caregivers could share and pastors and other church leaders or, or congregation members could, could know how to better and specifically help.
1: I found the book to be a wonderful response to, okay. those, to those needs. And I want to invite you to share for our listeners sort of about the Finding Sanctuary program and how organic it is to a congregation or a particular community.
2: Okay, yeah, I tried to make it so that it wasn't just a set way to do something, but rather it was a way to um, speak differently to different congregations. So that it's essentially, Uh, three parts, a part for spouses to uh, kind of process their experiences and create a safe space for them to share with others what they may be going through. And then a part for children to also do the same because children and spouses have, can have very different experiences with caregiving. And so their needs are different. Um, So, you know, they each have their own group to do that. And then concurrently, there's a group for pastors or congregation members who feel called to help serve this population, but don't know how. So it walks them through what it's like for a dementia caregiver, um, both as a spouse or as a child. And then their set of the program identifies gifts that they have um, so that when the final week, both groups, you know, the, the spouses, the children, the congregation members all meet together. The caregivers have a list of needs that they have identified. And the care, the congregation has a list of gifts that they have to share. And then they compare and they see where they can merge to form a ministry that's unique to their congregation.
1: What a wonderfully organic approach. <laughs> Well, I knew that more and more people were being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. I didn't realize that there is now a diagnosis every 65 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that this is a tremendous opportunity for congregations, no matter how large or small they are, to to respond. How have you seen congregations respond to the needs of and serve the caregivers in the midst of their communities?
2: I've seen them do it in very um sp- uh, situation specific and unique ways. Uh, for example, I had one family who the the father had been a banker and a bank teller specifically, and he was always counting money. And as he got further along in his dementia, he was always, um, you know, fingering money or paper, paper. And there was a a brilliant congregation member who said, you know, why don't we just get some play money? I'll come and I'll spend an hour a day. And they would count money. They would come up with costs for items and he would give them the dollar amount and she would give him change. And it was a really cool way for them to interact. And she was using her gifts of just coming up with a great idea and then seeing how it worked for this individual. Now, sometimes there's some trial and error, but... You know, if you're, I think for those who are willing and interested, you know, God carves a path for you to have some really tremendous interactions with people, um, uh, despite the dementia.
1: Are there ways that congregations have responded on sort of a, a group level? Um, to provide care,
2: or is it mostly an individual response? No, there have been group level, you know, more, finally, more information and and resources are becoming available. I find more so for the person with dementia. So dementia-friendly churches is a program, and they help design services that are more dementia-friendly, maybe creating a, a room for a caregiver to sit with with their loved one Um, and and group wise, uh, I've seen churches have the mornings where they put their bulletins together, maybe on a Thursday morning. So a caregiver and their loved one who is still able to insert bulletins or stuff mailings, and they'll sit as a group and do that together, caregivers and their loved ones getting coffee, sitting around a table for an hour or two in the morning, And the caregiver and the loved one feels like they're helping out because they're putting together a bulletin you know it's it's they're being useful and and they feel worthwhile so those are just some examples that i've seen
1: and and it also benefits the congregation what a what a wonderful yeah what a wonderful idea in in thinking about supporting caregivers I want to invite you to talk a little bit about the unique needs of spousal caregivers versus children who are caring for a parent.
2: Okay. You know, with spouses, you have shared such a physically and emotionally intimate relationship. And then the loved one finds themselves losing the very person that they would go to talk to for support. And that's, that, that can be true, you know, for children also, but specifically spouses, they're, they're losing their, often their main sense of support. So to be able to f- um, develop friendships or have friendships where you can, sh- you know, be open and share about the, your experience um, is so important. With children, a lot of times it's, you know, the the different roles. You have the patriarch of the family who now, um, needs help bathing or is, you know, you know, it's the person you would go to for, for wise instruction and they just stare at you blankly. So it's, you know, and, and then even within those subgroups, you know, everyone has a story behind their relationship with the person who's developed dementia. And, and just honoring that and being honest with yourself about what specifically you are missing or your unique struggles. Um, when you can identify your needs, it's easier to identify how someone can help.
1: As, as church leaders seek to better support caregivers, what are the things they should keep in mind?
2: Um, I think they should keep in mind kind of what I just mentioned that everyone has their own story. And so to say, you know, we have kind of a blanket impression of what caregivers may need, um, uh, just, just general support or whatever. But again, not assuming that someone should spend more time with a loved one who uh, was physically abusive to them. You know, it, it, everyone's got a story. So to be open minded, and um, and I think the best offer of support is, you know, is just listening initially, and then and then going from there. But but just remembering, a lot of times there are conflicts within, you know, families over caregiving. And, uh, you know, a congregation member may go to their pastor and, and have this list of complaints and they absolutely are probably valid, but the person about whom they are complaining may also have some valid <laughs> issues. And so just to be kind of compassionate and open about all sides of the story um, is a good start.
1: That's a very, very wise <laughs> advice and, and insight. One of the things you lift up in the book is the deep sense of loneliness that caregivers report um, having and experiencing. Mm -hmm. How can congregations respond to this and offer support? I
2: think they can do it in a number of different ways. Um, Just speaking openly about it, from the pulpit, say, you know, we have dementia caregivers in our congregation and i want to acknowledge that and you may have needs or prayer requests and setting up a box for dementia caregivers to share their prayer requests because from those prayer requests you gather needs also putting you know little blurbs in the newsletters you know a person May not be able to attend church, but if they see something about dementia caregivers and acknowledging their struggles, just being validated by opening that newsletter and seeing that can be so helpful. And then by providing resources, there are so many caregiving support groups that are available online. So, you know, there's a sense of anonymity, so you can may feel a little more safe until you get used to it. But, you know, Facebook and Reddit and the Alzheimer's Association all have forms of caregiver online support groups and directing them and giving them that specific information can help caregivers feel acknowledged, they know where to reach out to, and it also educates pastors and church leaders
1: Wonderful ideas, and I hope some of our listeners will will implement them if they haven't already done so. As part of the process you mentioned for local congregations, you said that the aspect for the church volunteers looks at their spiritual gifts. Why is it important to match the
2: spiritual gifts of the volunteers with the needs of caregivers? It's important because then both parties benefit and find meaning. It's, it's, it's one thing to, you know, um, provide a duty to someone in need. But I truly believe that God gives us gifts to use them. And so if we can identify something we really enjoy doing, um, a hairdresser may really enjoy washing hair, and there's a husband who has never washed his wife's hair and has no idea how to do it. And so that woman says, you know, I'll come by once a week and I'll do her hair. You know, she's using her gifts and fulfilling such a desperate need, and it makes her feel good the husband feels good and the kid, you know, his wife probably feels pretty good after having her hair washed. So thinking about what we enjoy doing and how that can be applied to helping someone with dementia, I think is, is just a great starting point. And it's, I think for wherever there is a need, there's a a gift that can go with it.
1: And it's something as simple as washing hair. Yeah. (laughs) as you think about the the model you developed for fighting sanctuary do you see ways that the model could be adapted to address other
2: issues in a community i do my model you know is based on narratives from caregivers so each group um reads stories that caregivers are encountering and it couples with scriptures that can can meet those needs Everybody has a story, whether it's, you know, dementia caregiving or uh, parents of of young children or, you know, we've all got stories. And I think scripture is always there to to address that. My model, though, is really identifying the issues, but not staying stuck there. I really like using the um, the illustration of cooking. And the oil on your stove catches on fire. So many times when we encounter a problem or a struggle, we focus on that fire. (laughs) You know, oh, this is going wrong and this is going wrong. But we don't stay there looking at the fire. We turn away from the fire and look for something to put it out. And I think the same is true for any struggle or problem we have. If we continue to regurgitate it and talk about it, The more we encounter those struggles but if we are willing to have faith and turn away and look at scripture or being willing to reframe how we look at a situation or finding the positive you know i don't think jesus was joking when he said don't worry i think he was serious so how do we not worry but taking our attention off of the problem even momentarily, to be willing to look for the hope and look for a solution I think God will provide. And so my model with this is to identify the problem, but then how do you find hope? Where can you turn to? and then applying that to the struggle.
1: And one of the challenges you you lift up is that a lot of people have trouble asking for help.. Mm-hmm. So how can congregations and church leaders encourage people
2: to ask for help? Right. While it's hard to ask for help, it's the caregiver's responsibility to ask for help. And if they're complaining about not having help, but they haven't specifically asked, then, then, huh. (laughs) Um, But going back to the idea of a, of a prayer box, Or even saying it is so hard to ask for help. But if you have, you know, in your caregiving situation, if it would help for someone to come and sit with your loved one for an hour a week so you can run to the store or take a shower, then let us know and we'll find someone. But throwing out some of those specific, um, common needs. If you need um, a meal brought to your house, let us know and we will, you know, come up with a list of people who can can do that.
1: What other creative ways have you seen congregations respond to the needs of caregivers and persons with dementia?
2: Um, I've seen a group of men build activity boards for, for um, it typically is men, but it, it certainly doesn't have to be, but uh, putting locks together, you know, you take a giant board and you bolt different little activities on it, uh, putting a key in a lock or threading bolts nuts onto a bolt things like that um and then taking them to to someone whose dementia is advanced to the point where they just like to keep busy with their hands um um and i've seen the same for uh um, what are they called? Like sensory touch blankets, where women were, will make a, you know, a two by two put square of different materials—fuzzy, scratchy—and weave it into a quilt. And it gives, a, a, you know, someone with dementia different tactile stimulations, which can be helpful for um, helping them be calm and, and you know, doing something active with their hands.
1: That would be a wonderful way to engage congregations that have quilting ministries Mm -hmm. in providing support for uh, persons with dementia.
2: I just want to throw, I think another one is um, just a card, a card ministry, you know, just sending so that loved ones, so many loved ones can't attend church anymore with their, you know, um, and just so they know that they're not forgotten, I think can be huge. And, and, you know, that's, it's not a difficult, <laughs> and, um, and there are people in churches with that skill.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and I would even go so far as to say there are persons in care facilities that can make phone calls and send cards mm-hmm. on behalf of a congregation. Right, right. And so what a great way to engage people of all ages in that sort of activity. You could have mm-hmm. your Sunday school, a Sunday school class, make cards that other people could then mail to folks. Right. So it can right. really be intergenerational as far as the, the response goes. Right. right. As we think about congregations that don't yet have a dementia care ministry, what words of wisdom would you offer to them as they seek to, to get started and embark upon such a ministry?
2: I think just initially just diving in online and looking for resources. There's this great book called Finding Sanctuary (laughs) in the Midst of Alzheimer's. Um, But my website, elizabethshulman.com, I have devotions. I have a list of hundreds of caregiver needs that caregivers um, have shared. I would also encourage people to go to a dementia care unit and just... You know, maybe a Sunday school class goes on a field trip and they go and visit a member that used to be with them and interact with people with dementia, because I think so much there's still this stigma of, you know, they don't know how to respond, so I can't really say anything that would be beneficial. And yet you can go and you can read a story or look at pictures of um. Of, of old cars or talk about war experiences or, you know, just put yourself, baptism by fire, go in and surround yourself with people who have dementia. Check in with yourself and see how that feels. But chances are you will overcome some of your um, hangups with People with dementia because you just haven't you know exposed yourself to it or interacted with them, and so doing that I think is also a great step. What
1: words of advice do you have for those interactions? How should people
2: respond? Um, if you're interacting, if you get a chance to talk to the family members first, and say, you know, what did your loved one used to do for a living? What you know, did they have grandchildren? Um, Taking printing off pictures of old uh, magazine advertisements or old cars. There are also lists online of questions to ask. Um, And with people with dementia, they tend to lose their memory with regards to things that happened recently, but things that happened way long ago um, are still intact. So going back, do you remember who was your favorite teacher? Did you have a pet growing up? What kind, or what was the first car you drove? You know, questions like that um, can, can help engage.
1: Those are great entry points to, to conversations. As we think about caregivers, I know one thing that I have seen is that they are often exhausted mm-hmm. and there is a tremendous need for, for self-care. From your experience as a caregiver, what advice
2: do you have to offer to other caregivers? Well, of course, taking time for yourself. Like when when you have a little child, you sleep when they sleep, you know, or or do something that you enjoy, you know. Um, But I think a lot of times it is difficult to find time. So in real time, You can practice reframing and looking at a situation differently. An example I I like to use because it's so prevalent is that caregivers uh, often encounter repetitive questioning. You know, when's mom picking me up? Well, you know, your mom died 40 years ago. Don't try to, you know, dementia care is not about setting people straight or being logical. It's about offering assurance. So when's mom arriving? What do you remember about your mom? What, what car is she going to be driving? You know, kind of re it put when you're constantly arguing with, with a loved one about something that they are truly unable to understand because of the disease process, it makes no sense. It just, Aggravates you. It makes you more frustrated and more. So if you can go along with a person, you know, what time is lunch? It's at noon. I can remember with my grandma, I would, um, we would guess how many times, is she, what's the over under? How many times is grandma going to ask what time is lunch? and make it, you know, a game for our own sanity. Cause otherwise I just told you it's a, no, you answer it as though she's asking it for the first time because for her, it is the first time she's asking. So if you can kind of reframe and be willing to look at something differently, um, it can take some of the stress and help with, with some of the exhaustion, not all, but you know, you, you've, you've got to make tweaks where you can. <laughs> Right, and and
1: take the opportunities for a break when you can when you can get them. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, your title of your book is "Finding Sanctuary." Share with our listeners the importance of finding sanctuary and and how you how you interpret finding
2: finding sanctuary. So, finding the title of the book came. At the very beginning, when I first started writing it, I thought, you know, I want to provide something where people feel safe to share, feel a sense of, you know, reprieve and just comfort. And that's what I strove uh, to find with this book to help people identify how to ask for help so that you can have that hour (laughs) to recharge Um, but also with reframing or appreciative inquiry you know focusing on the positive is not ignoring the negative it's just giving your mind an opportunity to feel good in the midst of chaos So, um, using your God given imagination to wake up in the morning and imagine how you want the day to look. Because studies show that people who focus on positive outcomes are more likely to get that positive outcome rather than, oh, with the, you know, going, making the checklist of all the drudgery things you're anticipating. Take a risk and anticipate the positive. What if everything does work out today? rather than what if this happens, what if that happens, you know, just really, really looking, I think when we look for the hope that God provides, we're much more likely to find it.
1: So true. And uh, the importance of of positivity can certainly make an impact on, on caregivers and, and care receivers. Mm-hmm. As we think about hope, Elizabeth, what is your hope for congregations when it comes
2: to dementia care ministry? I would hope that every church has a copy of my book and any other dementia care resources on their shelves. I would hope that churches um, put as much energy and research into dementia caregivers as they do vacation Bible schools. You know, every year there's the, you know, there are the themes and the banners outside the churches. I would love to see that for dementia caregivers.
1: I, I thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your passion, for your care, for your hope, and for taking the time to share with our listeners about the needs of persons with dementia and their caregivers. Any final words? from you for our listeners
2: um no i just am so appreciative to kind of share my story and hope that others find it beneficial and i just i love dementia (laughs) i love talking about it so thank you so much for having me
0: thanks for joining us for leading ideas talks please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos